0: What's going on everyone? Welcome to the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I am joined here today by Derek Tate. He can be found on Twitter at DerekTateNFL and our special guest for this episode, Adam Murph. He can be found on Twitter at Murph underscore NFL. Derek, I'll come back to you in a minute. Murph how are you today on this fine monday it is so good to see you and do a podcast together again my friend
1: oh mate it's been a while so i'm so glad we're we're back on and uh victory mondays sorry Yates, uh but yeah it's it's always good when you wake up to uh, victory monday to your team being 2 and 0 and lots of wins this week in uh, in fantasy so yeah all in all the world is good the sun is shining it's a it's a beautiful day i
0: can't <laughs> moan and it's great to be here with you two fine gentlemen so
1: you know that's just the, the icing on the cake
0: The cherry
2: on top. Derek, how are you today, my friend? Yeah, Speaking of the cherry on top, for (laughs) those of you that are listening, you don't see me. I'm decked out in Tampa Bay Buccaneers gear after they get off to a 2-0 start to start the season. You know, a little bit of offensive of pass interference controversy with Mike Evans. It really doesn't matter. Two and is two and i I'm shocked. You're shocked. That's okay. It is a great day in Tampa Bay. So let's go ahead and roll for this one. As we
0: were, uh, as we were getting ready for the games yesterday, I did realize. I'm like the first week. I'm a Bears fan, right? I grew up outside Chicago. Like the first, the first week was up against Green Bay, which is Soppy's team second week is up against tampa bay which is derek's team uh and i'm Owen two. so off to a great start here and justin fields is so let's just go ahead and get right into this one fellas let's talk some saquon barkley Injury fallout here now, obviously with about two minutes left in yesterday's game up against the Arizona Cardinals What a wild game that was uh, Saquon Barkley comes up limping there and needed help getting to the sideline now We have heard as we are recording this here, It is 11 a.m. On Monday morning So we do not have yet full clarity on what this injury is However, early reports have been that it is an ankle sprain now We do not know whether it is a high ankle sprain whether it is a low ankle sprain obviously that would that would dictate whether one which uh, which one it is how long he's going to miss, but it is looking like he's going to miss time, especially here on a short week on Thursday night football. So Derek, I'll throw this to you first is Matt Breida, someone that fantasy managers should be looking at on the waiver wire. They do get San Francisco 49ers on Thursday night football here in week three.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's one of the guys that I'm going to be talking about probably here on this show here in a couple of minutes, but the fact that he was the first player to see the snap, to get the touch on the final offensive possession of that game for the New York Giants. Yeah, he would be my priority out of that backfield. Sure is like, you know, whether it would be like Tywan Jones or Eric Gray, the rookie, uh, maybe speculative ads in deeper leagues. But if I had to put my money on anybody being the guy to shoulder the load out of the backfield for the Giants heading into the Thursday night slate, it would be Matt Burrito. So, yeah make him a priority
0: yeah murph we've seen saquon barkley obviously deal with these ankle injuries in the past and that has obviously i mean affected his play right that was a big thing a big storyline it was two years ago with him dealing with that ankle sprain and it obviously when he did come back we saw that dip in production here we don't know how long he's going to be out but if you can find a fantasy manager in your league that's willing to trade for saquon barkley right now are you making that move just to potentially get away from this situation
1: I think you have to look at what is potentially on offer as well because yes you've got to worry about that dip in production yes as we've seen with uh you know uh Cooper Cup on IR and you know JT also injured Jonathan Taylor like you're looking at these injuries and you don't want another one of those situations I think the news is relatively optimistic yes he's going to miss this week yes that's irritating but it is what it is but then it's a long week afterwards so they're playing on Monday night football against Seattle. So he has got a lot of recovery time after this game. So yes, he's probably not going to play Thursday. It's almost it's almost certain he's not going to play Thursday. But I think there is some optimism because it's that extra day. He might be able to be back, depending on the nature of the injury, of course. So I think he, you, you look about trading him, but then it's what can you get in return? Because he is such an elite fantasy an, uh, asset, are you actually going to get yourself... reasonable because it's such a a drop off from a Saquon Barkley down to your next tier and I think I think you probably want to hold at least wait till you get some news Um, if it's bad yes okay you are taking too much of a risk but I think actually because the drop was so much and because it is just an ankle sprain potentially I would I would hold and just see what happens because someone will trade for him anyway regardless
0: there's hope and optimism springs eternal so someone will always give you a price There's someone out there in an eight-team league that was ecstatic leaving their draft that they got Cooper Cup, Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, Travis Kelsey, like somehow in an eight-team league, somehow this happened somewhere out there. And they are just absolutely already done with fantasy football for the year. (laughs) Gentlemen, let's get into some uh, replacement options, some people on the waiver wire, some players on the waiver wire that you should be looking to pick up here. Before we do, if you are listening to this over on the podcast, you can watch the podcast over on YouTube, youtube.com slash at PFNFantasy.com insane momentum and growth and support over there on YouTube. It has just been absolutely wild to see you guys turn out there in droves. We are nearing in on 11,000 subscribers over on YouTube. So make sure if you have not checked out our YouTube channel, make sure to go over there, youtube.com slash at PFN fantasy. And like I said, if you are listening on the podcast, take 30 seconds out of your day, leave a rating and review. You guys have no idea how important it is to leave these ratings and reviews. And I like to do this from time to time. I have not done it here yet with the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast, but I like to read some of these ratings and reviews that come in. Let's do that right here. A five-star rating from Bologna Cobbler, a great football podcast with actionable advice for all players, high stakes, or if you just want to win your work league, appreciate the support. Get that shout out here on the podcast, leave a rating and review might be reading more of these from time to time. Let's get into running back waiver wire rankings here, fellas. The way that we are going to do this is we're going to start here at number five in the running back list. We'll start with Derek and we will work our way slowly down the list
2: here. Derek, let's send it over to you. Who is at number five for running back waiver wire pickups on the week? I know we need to keep an eye on the status of David Montgomery, right? The starting running back for the Detroit Lions. It feels weird saying he's the starting running back. Jameer Gibbs is such a dynamic talent. They drafted him 12 overall, et cetera, et cetera. But it does look like he's going to be unavailable, expected to miss a week or two. And we already kind of saw who was the guy that could be working in tandem with Jameer Gibbs if he does miss any time. And that looks like it's going to be Craig Reynolds. So I'm not... Super high on Craig Reynolds just because I don't think he, to me, he's kind of just a guy, and that's not an offense. He's an NFL player. He's certainly very talented, but I just don't know if he's going to see enough volume like similar to that of David Montgomery to be able to make him super fantasy relevant. Sure, maybe he can get you by in a pinch in deeper leagues, uh, so he's worth a speculative ad to me, but... I still think that Jameer Gibbs is going to see an expanded role. What better time to feature him in this offense than when David Montgomery will be available, unavailable due to injury. So, but I'm still, the Lions seem pretty stubborn about using two backs because it was still three carries and one reception for Craig Reynolds in spot, you know, spell duty. So he's worth an ad
0: in, in deeper leagues. Murph, where does Craig Reynolds land in the rankings for you? Is he someone that cracks the top five?
1: Not quite the top five. He's probably just missed it. He was in that consideration list for exactly uh, all the reasons Derek listed. Um, But I think just there's someone that broke into my top five over him just because I think of volume uh, and is a longer term play. Whereas we know Reynolds is someone you would add and likely in two weeks you're dropping him again because he's got no standalone value going forward. So, uh, but no, he was in consideration. It it was close, but not quite.
0: Yeah, we've talked about that already here on the podcast with waiver wire pickups. It's balancing the short-term fill-in options, right? Do you have a Saquon Barkley? Do you have a David Montgomery? Then someone like Craig Reynolds could be a decent stopgap option. But like Derek alluded to, are you guaranteeing that he's going to get 15 plus touches this next week up against Atlanta? That's still Mm -hmm. not a guarantee. So someone that does carry a little bit of risk, but does have the path to be a top 30 option just based on volume if he does, if the Alliance choose to not increase Jameer Gibbs's workload? Let's throw it over to you, Murph, who is number five in the running back waiver wire pickups for week three.
1: Number five for me is uh, Tajay Spears. Um, just because I think you're looking at him, he's starting to get a little bit more of a role. It's still touch and go whether you would start him if you were in a pinch and you owned Eckler and Barkley for whatever reason, then you might have to throw him on there, then fine. Um, but you're looking at the increased workload, but then you've also got that beautiful spot where he is the bona fide handcuff to Derek Henry, where he will get an absolute boatload. So you've got potential standalone you know, a value, although on the low side, but with that potential handcuff value coming along with it. And we're seeing these injuries coming off the board now with, at the running back position, it's the same we saw the year before. It's the same we saw the season before that. It's the same we saw. It, it seems to be a recurring theme, which is why so many teams are investing in more and more running backs. And I just think you, Taji Spears is underowned, even just even if he's not going to get on the field all that much. Just having that premium handcuff option at this stage of the season, you know, we looked at Kyron Williams a couple of weeks ago. Like if, if you look at Kyron Williams you're not getting him anywhere now. So try and be a little bit ahead of the curve, be a little bit strategic, but he is starting to get a bit more of a value in a standalone role. And if that continues to increase, he could be a flex option going forward.
0: TyJ Spears went from three carries in his NFL debut in week one to now eight in week two up against the Chargers there. So you are seeing an upward trajectory. We will see if that continues here alongside Derek Henry. But like you mentioned, Murph definitely has the handcuff or insurance running back value there. Derek, who is number four in the running back waiver wire
2: pickups. So, all the reasons Murph just mentioned are I am in alignment. We are parallel on the thoughts of Tajay Spears because you mentioned his usage jumping not only as a ball carrier, but he also saw two receptions. And there's just not a lot of juice right now as far as the pass-catching options in this offense, or at least they haven't been able to produce a ton of vertical chunk plays that I feel comfortable with. So is Tajay Spears going to be someone that is a highly efficient player that gives you dynamic mismatches in the passing game out of the backfield and see his role expand not only – in a complimentary role on the ground to Derrick Henry, but also as a pass catcher? I think the answer is yes. So there is standalone value for Tajay Spears. His efficiency on the ground has been remarkable through the first two weeks. Whenever he touches the ball, good things seem to happen. So I believe that this is not a mistake that he saw eight carries in this contest. Uh, Sure, sometimes he may be a victim of game script, but... If he's the preferred pass catching back and the Titans fall behind, that actually may, you know, make things better outlook for Spears moving forward. So I think he has standalone value. And I argued with myself about potentially moving him higher up my waiver wire priority ad list. So uh, he's certainly very intriguing to me if he continues to prove that he can,
0: you know, be efficient and that he can get the job done when he is given that opportunity, we know that Tennessee wants to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball right alongside Derrick Henry. So we could see even that in standalone value increase as the overall rush attempts for the Tennessee Titans. That doesn't mean that Derrick Henry's value is going to decrease because they're putting Tyjae Spears onto the field. It can mean that Tyjae Spears' value increases to the point where we potentially talk about him as a top thirty-six option, while we've got Derrick Henry in as a top ten. So I love the call there, gentlemen. Let's move over, Murph. Your number four running back waiver wire pickup on the week.
1: My number four is uh, Jerome Ford. Now he's not uh, he's not playing till tonight, so we don't know what he's done in week two yet. But I love the fact he got fifteen carries in week one. Yes, okay, the efficiency wasn't quite there, but that you know. It's all about volume at this stage, fifteen carries in a what we know is a run first offense is phenomenal like you're not going to get many guys that are, as, an, as a as a B-back going to get that kind of workload that are available on the waiver wire and he's still owned only in eleven percent of leagues, so he is widely out there and on top of that, you're talking about uh we know with Nick Chubb he's getting older, we know he's susceptible to injuries we know he's missed time every single season if that happens. Very, very little behind Jerome Ford. Again, you've got a player who is standalone value who can come in and get you points, and you're going to see a theme in quite a few of my picks here. But has that potential, if something happens, as we're seeing every week, is going to excel into a potential top 15 play if we see Nick Chubb go down. Like, unfortunately, he has done every year. He's not the most reliable, most durable back in the NFL. So, for me, Jerome Ford is just a very, very simple pickup. We'll see what he does tonight, but... I wouldn't be too surprised to see that volume stay round about the same. That's sort the of 12 to 15 carries, especially if they get ahead early against Pittsburgh. We know that offense isn't particularly potent in uh, uh, Matt Canada's offense. So uh, I, I expect them to get ahead early and then manage it by using Ford as that option just to you know chunk some time, keep the ball, don't turn it over. So I, I love having Ford in quite a lot of leagues at the moment. So I'm very
0: much in that 11%. I was pounding the table for drafting Jerome Ford with one of your final picks there in fantasy drafts this off season. So I love the call there. Uh, Murph is some is Jerome Ford just a 5% fab bid. Like he's someone that you're not going out there. I mean, there's very little competition to add him right now. We'll see again what he does here on Monday night football, but is he just a minor fab bid percentage there?
1: Yeah. I think you can get him cheap because he's not, unless something happens tonight where he just explodes, like if he goes and has an absolute monster game or if Nick Chubb goes down, then that's obviously right. going to go out the window. But as of right now, I think you'll get him even for less than 5% of ad. I don't think he's on people's radars. I don't think people are sitting there looking to add him. I think people are going to see the names that Derek and I are probably going to chunk out here in a minute as, as the top ads. I don't think you're going to see a massive influx of, of ads um, at the running back position. I think you're going to see more wide receiver this week. So I think this is one of those you can get forward under the radar quite cheap. So I'd say five percent, maybe even less. Depends on how you you know, you know your league, you know what people tend to go for. Um but I think yeah you can get him cheap this week unless something drastic happens tonight that
0: changes that thinking. All right Derek, let's throw it back over to you. Number three running back pickup on the week.
2: Speaking of being able to get options pretty cheap, I've still got roshan Johnson as a top waiver wire ad at the running back position. They made Dante Foreman inactive for a reason. And we saw that Roshan Johnson was still involved in this offense. And while he didn't score a touchdown like he did in week number one, he was still involved in the passing game. And I believe he actually led all running backs for the Chicago Bears in rushing yardage. So, I mean, there's... I just see the path for an expanded role. I'm I do. i I'm going to stubbornly believe that there are better days ahead for this rushing attack and the Chicago Bears offense in particular. Sure, Justin Fields, it was a little bit of a frustrating day yet again, um, but Roshan Johnson looks like he is firmly planted in this offense for better or for worse, uh, for richer or for poorer, for fantasy you know needs. So I'm still banging the drum on Roshan Johnson being a priority guy. And I think that his role continues to expand. And eventually he's going to be the most valuable fantasy back in Chicago for the rest of the 2023 season. It's just arguable where that lands amongst right. the rest of the starting running backs in the national football league.
0: Murph is Roshan Johnson, someone that cracks the top five
1: for you. He's my number one at this week. And the reason why is because I think you can get him completely under the radar. Cause as Derek said, was not a great performance yesterday, and I think this is the prime opportunity because I think you've got one week left before you see the Rochon Johnson spike. For me, Khalil Herbert is not the guy. I've been saying this all season. Uh, all off season, I was saying Khalil Herbert's not the guy. They went out and got uh, Dante Foreman, who was the most similar back you could get to David Montgomery. And then they drafted Rochon Johnson. That gives me zero confidence that Killill Herbert is loved by this coaching staff or organization. Yes, he's got a role. And yes, Deontay Foreman was made inactive. I think a lot of that was down to he missed a lot of preseason. He wasn't fit for camp. He had injuries. I think the initial role would have been he would have been the lead back and then faded out for Rochon Johnson. But Roshan Johnson just taken to the NFL, not necessarily like a storm, but those last two drives in week one, he was phenomenal. Like he was so explosive, so much power. And listen, throw out what happened in week two. I wrote an article for PFN this week about sitting Khalil Herbert. So you had to sit him because the is uh, rushing, uh, rushing defense is one of the best in the NFL. It's going to come out at the end of this week, number two, in least rushing yards conceded, only just behind the Eagles. They've given up 108 yards rushing. And that's against Justin Fields. It's against Minnesota, you know. They're not giving up yards on the ground. So it's a, it's, you throw out what happened this week. It's not, it, they're going to be tough games on the schedule. But Roshan Johnson is going to the moon in the sense of Khalil Herbert is going to get a reduced role. Roshan Johnson is going to get a much more increased role. We're seeing more snaps, more plays. That's why he's my number one ad, because I think you can get him for 5% of fab, maybe even less. I think you probably get him for 2 3% of fab this week because he's on no one's radar. He didn't perform last week. But as I said, no one is really going to put up big numbers against this Buccaneers defense. No one has done for about four or five years. So Christian McCaffrey struggled. <laughs> you know, Alvin Kamara struggled. They've all struggled. So it's not a, a slight. It's just you know what it is. So yeah, get on Rochon Johnson now because if he blows up in week three, you ain't getting him cheap anymore
0: when he said roshan johnson is going to the moon i expected derek to just levitate (laughs) out of his chair like i i that's fully what i expected to have happen murph derek has been talking nonstop about roshan johnson this year so you have a kindred soul here on this podcast Uh, a bucks fan and someone who loves roshan johnson it's a match made in heaven let's go over to uh let's see where we're at murph your number three running back pickup on the week
1: Uh, i've got justice hill this week Uh, look I don't love it. Like, I don't sit here and go, oh, I'm desperate to get Justice Hill. But he is a committee back in a run-first offense. He's probably the third option, but there is solid volume here. And again, with injuries going down in a pinch, if you need someone who's just going to get you enough points to tie you over, Justice Hill is going to be that guy. And again, in front of him is Gus Edwards, not the most durable back. He has gone down. He's had significant injuries in his career. So again, (laughs) as I say, there's this theme of a running back who has got standalone value, which is what Hill does. He's also the goal line back, which is also helpful, so he can vulture some touchdowns. And on top of that, you've got a guy who get a much bigger expanded role should the back in front of him or he shares a role with get injured. So I think Justice Hill, you can get... Again, wasn't a huge performance yesterday, so I don't think if, if he's out there on your waiver wires, people aren't going to clamor for him uh, unless they're desperate. Like, they've lost... A Saquon Barkley, but again, I think five percent of fab for a guy who can see an expanded role going forward, plus he's the goal line back. Yeah, I, I have that in the run, first off. And so, uh, yeah, I, I like it, but I don't love it. Like, it's not one I'm jutting out right. like a Roshon Johnson that I'm desperate to go out there and grab with with full force. But I think it, there's a role for Justice Hill, and he should be owned in more leagues.
0: All right, let's move it back over. Uh, Derek, did Justice Hill crack the top five for you?
2: Yeah, he did. He made it in at number two. Uh, The reason being is all the reasons Murph just mentioned. We're not having any sort of disagreements right now, Murph. It seems (laughs) like you and I are kindred spirits, my friend. So I'm loving it. One thing that stood out to me, though, is he led, you know, even though Gus Edwards had 10 carries in week number two, Justice Hill had 11. And then he also saw three receptions out of the backfield, which is something that's kind of new to this, kind of foreign to this ravens passing attack uh in recent years where they just didn't throw the the ball to the running back position at all and i think that that we're going to see more of that uh, as todd munkin and the playbook kind of opens up and they learn what they like to do and have an identity on that offensive side of the football for the baltimore ravens moving forward in the 2023 season but justice hill seeing 14 total touches is very encouraging in an offense that i do expect to get better and better as we kind of figure out their roles and identity uh in particular in the pass catching game and i just see better days ahead for this baltimore offense and certainly justice hill is going to be a cog in that raven's wheel for the rest of the season
0: all right murph let's send it back over to you here your number two running back pickup on the week
1: my number two is uh, is Zach Moss here. So he's just sort of squeaking in at, at 50% owned. So um, clearly is going to be taking over this backfield whilst uh, Jonathan Taylor is out on IR. And we don't know how long he's out uh, for, but absolutely encouraged by the volume that we're seeing from from Zach Moss. You know, 18 carries, four receptions yesterday, caught all four of his reception off his four targets. Um, you know, over 100 yards from scrimmage, got a touchdown. I mean, you're looking at a guy. Yes, he's not going to do that every single week, but he, he's he got bona fide volume. Deion Jackson completely dropped the ball in week <laughs> one, had an opportunity to carve out a huge role, didn't. There is no, Evan Holes on IR. So there's absolutely no competition here for Zach Moss. He's literally going to own this backfield now for as long as Jonathan <laughs> Taylor is out. So th- that's the only reservation here instead of shoving in a huge amount of fab you want to be a bit conservative i i'm comfortable shoving in 10 maybe 15 percent of fab depending on your injury situation i wouldn't go too much more than that because he could be out of a role in three weeks might be longer it might be that he might have the role the whole season we don't know but it's a risky move to push in much more than that because he is going to have bad days this offense isn't that good um <laughs> and anthony richardson as we saw yesterday. Is gonna potentially vulture some touchdowns here. So we've got to temper some expectations a little bit, but at the same point, you're looking at a guy right now who's getting over 20 touches. There isn't anyone else on the waiver wire you're gonna grab that's gonna get that kind of volume. So you
0: have to you have to get him at this week, but not at all costs. Right. I that was gonna be my question, is because I think that people who are dealing with an Austin Eckler entry or Saquon Barkley, it's like Zach Moss, I think, is the clear answer for someone that you pick up and you plug in right away here for week three. But the question was going to be, how much fab do you spend? So I'm glad that you uh, added that there. Don't go overboard here, but it all is certainly dependent upon how desperately do you need a fill-in option there. Uh, Derek, did Zach Moss crack the top five for you?
2: He did. Came in at number one, and all of the reasons Murph mentioned, I think that there's some upside with the Jonathan Taylor situation. Could they still get a trade done with the Miami Dolphins or another team? That is a possibility is there a possibility that this ankle injury lingers on for jonathan taylor there's a possibility it's just a weird contract dispute with upper management and a star player so we don't know how this is going to play out it's already cost jonathan taylor four weeks could it cost him the entire season or could he be wearing another uniform in a couple weeks those are all within the range of outcomes and if jonathan taylor is not in town I think that it's comfortably Zach Moss's backfield to lose moving forward. Now, do I think he's going to be a great option in week three against the Baltimore Ravens? No, I don't. But it's weird because Jonathan Taylor's situation makes this like you're holding a a great hand in Texas Hold'em, but one card, the next card could completely undo your hand in the blink of an eye. It's like you have a pair of pocket aces and there's an ace that flops on the board. So you've got um, three aces but you have the river and you know the the turn uh, or the turn and then then the river (laughs) i I, I think i'm getting my poker uh terminology (laughs) correct but the point is is like say there's three spades out there and all it takes is one more spade and somebody's got a flush to beat your your three of a kind that's what could happen if Jonathan Taylor returns to this backfield. So I agree with not putting in too much of your fab. I'm right there at firmly at 15% because he gives you short-term immediate value in your lineup, although not great against the Ravens, but has that long-term upside, but could also be a losing hand in the blink of an eye. So I'm somewhere around the middle. I'm at 15%. I'm, I'm with you there, Murph. All right. As we look at uh, the other running backs worth mentioning here, you're looking at players like
0: Chuba Hubbard, Sean Tucker, Eric Gray, Devon H. Change But the guy that I will mention is worth potentially sneaking onto your roster right now while he is still on IR is Jeff Wilson Jr. of the Miami Dolphins. And we obviously saw Raheem Mostert have a pretty solid performance here on Sunday Night Football. But we have seen in the past that when Wilson and Mostert are both healthy, we are seeing Jeff Wilson super involved in this offense. This is an offense that you want pieces of. And so if there is the possibility to scoop Jeff Wilson up right now, he's more of the long term play. You're not going to have him for two more weeks, but someone that is available on 70% 70% of waiver wires out there. You can pick them up, stash them on your IR spot, and then reap the rewards here later. Let's move into wide receivers here. And I told Murph 30 minutes for recording this podcast. So let's pick up the pace just a little bit here <laughs> as we are pushing that already. Let's go to the wide receivers here. Derek, who is number five at the wide receiver position for waiver wire? Pickups.
2: I'll be really quick. And he's a repeat appearance on this list. And that's Tutu Atwell. I believe everybody bought into the fact that they thought Puka was probably the priority ad out of this out of this wide receiver group while Cooper cups off uh, on IR. And I agree, but two, two at well going for seven for 77 on nine targets against the San Francisco 49ers defense. Very encouraging. He is definitely worth an ad uh, on your roster. I think he's probably the one that, that loses significant work once Cooper cup returns. Yes. But for the next two weeks, I'm all about Tutu adding adding Tutu to your lineup.
0: I mean, it's crazy. 119 receiving yards in week one and 77 in week two. Yeah, I think we got to pick this guy up here as a top five wide receiver. Murph, did Tutu well crack the top five for you?
1: Yeah, I think it's the first time Derek and I are going to slightly disagree. I've got him at number one because I actually think he's more in line for a permanent role, and I think it's Puganakura that might see a bit more of a reduction. We see, and, and what points to me is the air yards. So what what we're looking at here is, Atwell, 13 for 196 on the season, which is great. But 12.1 uh, eight yards per reception. That's what we're looking at. We're looking at, he he's clearly a more vertical attack. He's got a bit more speed to him than Pukanaku. I actually see, for me, he's taken that role that we kind of expected Van Jefferson to have maybe mm-hmm. before the season started. So I think when if Cooper Cup comes back, and first of all, we've got the question, does he come back? I mean, that's first of all, but let's say he does. I think it's Pukanaku that's going to slightly change his role. And then I think as a result, you're going to see those two Share a role. I don't think they're going to go all out to push Cooper Cup back into this high volume role. So I think you're going to see a split role there. I think Tutu Atwell remains in the role that he's in. I think you're going to see a solid, you know, eight, nine targets every week. This is clearly a team that is going to trade Cam Akers or try to trade Cam Akers. I don't know what they get for him. So they're clearly giving up a little bit on this run game. They're quite happy to give the ball to Matt Stafford and throw the ball. The only concern I have with Tutu Atwell is does Matt Stafford last the season again? You've got a player who. Back problems, surgeries. Does he last the whole season? Because if he goes, this volume offense is going to just completely fall apart. But I I think Tutu Atwell is here for a long time. I'm quite happy to throw up to 10% of fab on him because I I genuinely think this is a carved out role. Yes, it's the number two role, but in a high volume passing offense, I'm in. Like I'm bought in now. And I've never been a big Tutu Atwell fan, but I'm convinced on that volume. It's locked in.
0: It's not going anywhere. All right, let's turn it back around to Derek, who is at number four in the wide receiver
2: pickups on the week for you. So raise your hand if you had the Houston Texans throwing the ball over 90 times through the first two games of the 2023 NFL season. For those of you listening in on the podcast, my hand is not (laughs) raised because I did not see C.J. Stroud averaging 45 pass attempts per game. That's insane. So somebody has to see that volume. We've seen Nico Collins look Great through the first two weeks. But there's been another guy in this offense at the wide receiver position that has been heavily targeted, heavily involved, and productive. And that's the old faithful, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods. Nine-plus targets in each of the first two weeks. Six receptions in both games. This last week, he had 74 yards receiving on six on six receptions. I mean, I know it's not a, a flashy name or anything of that nature or a flashy ad, but... In deeper PPR leagues, I feel like we're back in the, you know, wide receiver three range and a top 30 play-ish, top 35 for Robert Woods. So, yeah, I think he's worth an ad in your league. If they're going to throw the ball that much,
0: yes, uh, any of these wide receivers, I mean, Tank Dell is worth picking up as well because of just that amount of volume that is there for these wide receivers. And from a fab perspective, Derek, I'm not going to even ask you that because no one in your league is going to be going out there to pick up and scramble to the waiver wire to pick up Robert Woods. A 3% fab bid is probably going to get him onto your roster. Murph, did Robert Woods crack the top five for you? Same spot, number four. Um,
1: Exactly the reasons Derek mentioned. Um, And I think I've got to rate the Houston Texans here. They know they're not going anywhere this year. They know they're not going to make the playoffs. So what they're doing, they're going to say to TJ Stroud, throw the ball. Get comfortable. Let's make all the mistakes this year. Like, it doesn't matter. We're going to give you the ball 40, 45 times a game. You throw picks. It doesn't matter. But let's see you try and make some plays. It's the best way to learn. It's learning on the job. It's the single best way. They're saying to him, don't worry about the consequences of what you do. Just get comfortable. And let's try some things. Let's experiment. Let's just cook up something. And Robert Woods was a bit unlucky yesterday not to score. He was, you know, he was looked at in the end zone. I think he slipped or there was a minor bit of contact. It, you know, wasn't called, but, you know, he was pretty close to scoring. And I, and I think he's going to get red zone looks. As this offense starts to click, I mean, it's going to when you're throwing the ball 45 times, it's going to start moving. When that starts happening, he will get red zone looks. Those touchdowns will come in. And all of a sudden, he's looking at a 12 point floor every week, which is what we're seeing with touchdown upside. He's cracking, he's knocking on the door of wide receiver 24 with touchdowns Whew. in PPR. And that's what I, I just love that. You're buying a safe floor, plug in when you need him. But with TD upside, he's cracking the top 24, 25
0: wide receivers. And that's, you're buying him, as you say, 3%, 2% of fat. Right. right, I'm in. Uh, Murph, let's go. We've talked about your number four. We've talked about your number one. Derek, we've talked about your number five, your number four. Murph, I skipped over your number five wide receiver. So let's go back up there. Who is that number five in the wide receiver pickups on the week for you? I've got Marvin
1: Mims, and there isn't that much logic to this. Again, it's a play that you can get for almost no fab at all. Um, there might be some excitement. He broke a 60-yard play yesterday in a, in a game that the Broncos were chasing. I'm not really that bothered about the what happened so far. What we're seeing from this offense is it is starting to improve. We're starting to see things move. Marvin Mims has the draft capital. He's one of Peyton's guys. He is what was drawn in this deck. Courtland Sutton seems to be a little bit out in the cold at the moment. There is a position there for someone to come through. Yes, Mims only has 8% of targets right now. Yes, it's not 16. No one's racing to pick him up. I think you can sneak Mims under the radar for a dollar, stash him, and let's see. He got more work this week than he did in week one. Let's see what happens in week three, week four. If that volume continues to increase and he goes up to seven, eight targets, he becomes a viable option. And that offense will, like I say, get better. So it's kind of one of those sort of speculative ads where you can buy them for next to nothing because no one's looking and then see if you get that increased volume and i buy into it because it's a second round receiver you're looking at a player who's seeing an uptick although not enough but you're seeing an uptick in volume it will only get better for mims
0: I've got Mims at number five on the week here as well for me. The snap counts, we don't have those available here as we are recording, but the snap counts are going to be really interesting to see Mm. with these Denver wide receivers to see if we're seeing an uptick there from Marvin Mims. Obviously, just two targets in week one, two targets in week two. The production went from nine receiving yards to 113 in week two, but the snap counts are going to be really that thing that we zero in on and see if that opportunity has increased. Derek, let's throw it back over to you. Number three wide receiver on the week.
2: (laughs) Yeah, i kicked around him and another rookie for the number five spot at marvin mims and then jalen hyatt was somebody that i was really encouraged by his role expansion in week number two although the giants offense is not something i really want to invest in so i'm with you with marvin mims being a little bit slier slider higher up my priority ad list but another rookie really stood out this week and that's Jaden reed and i know that yates has been super high on reed throughout most of the draft process and was even encouraged by his week one usage And we saw that expand in week number two, went from five targets to eight, two receptions to four and zero touchdowns to two. And sure. The touchdown volatility is going to be up and down because normally is, but it seems like he has a secure role in this offense. And they're even doing tap passes to him to try to manufacture touches, to get him, to get him touches in space. So you're seeing that right now. And it looks like he's got a secure role moving forward. If, they get Christian Watson back, potentially it opens up more of the middle of the field where I could see Jaden Reed doing a lot of work out of the slot. So he's my number three at the wide receiver position this week.
0: Murph, who is at number three for you? Is it uh, Jaden Reed? Yeah. Same for
1: me. It's Jaden Reed here. Um, All the reasons mentioned, but the key thing for me, 25% target share, you know, you can't be leaving players with that higher target share. I mean, I missed this about Robert Woods. He has a 35% target share. It's another reason you want to buy in the woods, Uh, but yeah, 25% target share for Reed on top of everything we mentioned, their manufacturing touches for Reed. Again, the draft capitals, their second round wide receiver. It's a young wide receiver core. No one has really stamped their authority on it. Yes. Christian Watson might come back and maybe stamp a bit of authority on it, but you know, he's a streaky player. He can go missing very, very quickly in games. So, yeah, I, I I love me some Jaden Reed. I think this offense again is going to get better. It's a it's a group of young wide receivers. I think you're going to see a lot of improvement. So yeah, I'm same with me. Number three for Jaden Reed.
0: Uh, what percentage of Fab there, Derek? Are you looking to drop on Jaden Reed?
2: Oh, I mean, I'm probably still only around five to eight percent. I'm not I'm not pushing too too hard unless I'm like really desperate or if it's a deeper league. So again, if you know your league, you know, depending on whatever the league size is, format and such. Uh, then yeah, but somewhere around five to eight. All right, let's send
0: it back over to you, Derek. You're, let's go ahead and group your number two and wa- number one at wide receivers together.
2: Yeah, I figured that we were going to go ahead and just talk about these two because you can really say it 1A, 1B. And in Yahoo Leagues, both of these players sneak in at, at like 49% you know, use, or on rosters. Uh, so they're available in over half of leagues. So if that's the case, Kadarius, Tony, and Sky Moore are both guys that... I'm willing to throw a dart at, probably throw somewhere around you know 10% of my fab because I believe that this offense is going to begin to filter who the main cogs are going to be. I don't see every single week that Patrick Mahomes is going to throw and complete a pass to 11 different players. I know Donovan Smith was one of them. But, um, again, I just don't see that being a a common theme for the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I understand they'll spread it around a little bit. But I do think a, a top wide receiver is going to emerge. Yesterday it was Kadarius Tony who led the team in receptions with five. Yesterday it was Sky Moore who led the team in receiving yardage. So whichever one is your, you know, preferred option, I think both of them are working a speculative ad to see who continues to see their role expand and grow within this Kansas city passing offense, because there's no better quarterback to be catching passes from than Patrick Mahomes in 2023. Sapi and I have talked about this a lot of
0: just getting exposure to that offense. And this is a way to do it. If these guys are available on your waiver wire now, sky Moore already was written off by the majority of fantasy managers with that week one performance, Kadarius Tony, the same thing. So these guys could potentially be ones that you scoop up onto your waiver or onto your roster. there for very minimal fab because people, People have already kind of like, oh, it's a fluke performance. I don't want any pieces. There's too many mouths to feed in this offense. Whatever the case may be. I think these are guys that you could potentially scoop up off your waiver wire for cheap. Murph, let's throw it over to you. Number two wide receiver pickup on the week is the only player that we have not talked about here. He's at number two for me as well. I like the call.
1: Yeah, Josh Reynolds for me. We saw what he did yesterday. I... Again, we're talking about offenses that we want to get pieces off quite cheap. And this for me, I want every piece of that Lions offense as much as possible. To get Josh Reynolds, uh, who scored two touchdowns yesterday. And I'm not chasing touchdowns here. It's more about the volume here. You know, he's had nine catches on the season off 13 targets, 146 yards. He's got a 20% target, just under a 20% target share in this offense. And again, like the volume and like the targets air yards are good everything pointing in the right direction i'm not too bothered about the touchdowns as as Derek has said they're they're not sticky they're one of these things that just will happen but they will score touchdowns and i think especially now if david montgomery looks like he is going to be out for a couple of weeks they're going to have to throw the ball more i think that's what we're going to see and they they're getting success in the air so i for me want to grab reynolds he's clearly the two there right now i think that will stay for the time being at least. And he has the potential to expand his role even further on the back of last week. So I think you can get Reynolds. The one thing I will say is people will jump on the back of that performance. I think he's going to be a premium cost. I would set, I would set my ceiling at yeah. 8%. If you're really desperate at a position, push to 10, but I wouldn't go more than that because I think that he is going to, he is a bit boom or bust at times but I like the volume it's all trending in the right direction I want a good piece of this offense but I I don't want to break my fab budget because there's going to be players as the season goes on as there's more injuries that I think yeah I think uh eight to ten percent but he's a good piece to have on this offense and he's and you want as much of Detroit as you can
0: right now I I love the call because wide receiver 30 finish in week one. He's looking at a top 12 finish here in week two. We have to talk about Josh Reynolds as someone that you do need to look at on the waiver wire, but I'm also glad that you set that cap of 10%, You know, pushing that this isn't someone that, and and we talked about this in week one, like people in your league are going to look at the overall fantasy point totals. Like they're going to sort based on the point total Mm -hmm. scored for that week. And they're going to just pick up those guys at the top. So Josh Reynolds, probably going to be someone that, Has a ton of you know waiver wire claims here this week. He's going to be at the top of priority for a lot of people. You got to know when to set that limit. Josh Reynolds, a eight to ten percent fab bid for me as well. I like that call. Derek, go ahead.
2: Do we have any concerns about if Jamison Williams comes back? And you know, I know he's suspended right now, and he's not going to be back for a while. So I I agree that Reynolds is going to have a you know a role here in the immediate future. But how do you see it shaking out, guys? Once uh once Jamison Williams gets back into the fold
0: yeah and I'll jump in here Murph I think that Josh Reynolds definitely will have a role here for the next four weeks right I think that he will have flex upside someone that you can plug in there as an option top 36 play even potentially based on how this offense is performing and then but we also haven't really seen it from Jamison Williams up to this point Mm -hmm. so I don't think that it's a clear like we talked about um Zach Moss like as soon as Jonathan Taylor comes back Zach Moss is done, right? Like you're just not you're not looking at Zach Moss. He doesn't have a role guaranteed. Mm -hmm. With Jamison Williams and Josh Reynolds that role isn't guaranteed. So I do think that there is at least a little bit of upside but also you're setting that cap of 10% fab. You get him for the next four weeks and you have to move on from him. It's not going to crush your season. You're not dropping 50% of fab for this guy and then having to move on from him after that point. Let's move into quarterbacks here. Let's look at some of the players that are on the waiver wire that are worth looking at in week three. Uh, Gentlemen I did a little bit of research here earlier this morning into some of the quarterback waiver wire options it's not super pretty uh Derek who is a quarterback that you are at
2: least potentially looking at here in week three so I'm gonna give you two quick options one we already kind of mentioned CJ Stroud this team has thrown the ball 91 times through the first two weeks of the season it does look like their defense, while I think that they have some nice pieces, and I think D'Amico Ryans is going to get them you know, playing a little bit better as the season progresses, I don't think it's in week two against Jacksonville, so I think it could be a little bit of a higher-scoring contest where they're, again, game script throwing from behind. Uh, so he's one of those guys, but also Kenny Pickett. I understand that he had a rough week one, lost Deontay Johnson against the San Francisco 49ers, but they're going to be going up against a Las Vegas Raiders team that has given up – uh, Yards through the air, and including three touchdown passes against Josh Allen and company in week number two. So, um, a little bit of a buy low on Kenny Pickett, and we'll see how he looks on Monday Night Football tonight.
0: I like that call, Murph. Who is a quarterback worth looking at here in week three?
1: Yeah, I I, I did have a second one on here. I took it off, but I might just mention it quickly. So, I've got Russell Wilson sneaking in fifty percent of Fab. He's got um he's got the Dolphins in week three, so you know that's going to be a, a, a shootout. You can pass on the Dolphins. That passing defense is. Pretty awful, <laughs> I think putting it mildly. So I think uh, I, you know, I, I look at Russell Wilson. You know, he's got the deep ball. We saw bits of the old Russell Wilson coming back, and that Peyton offense is going to get better. So I, that, that's one. I think the other one there for me is is Derek Carr. Uh, he's got Green Bay in week three, and he's got the Buccaneers in week four. So is that if you uh, an anti Richardson owner, you need a dip into the waiver wire? I probably would lean just if it, in that, you know, if he's stuck in the concussion protocol for two weeks. I might lean Carr because I think he's got the safer floor. It's a decent matchup in week three against the Packers, but then he's got a really good matchup against the Buccaneers in week four because they will really, really go for that one. You've got that hatred, that division yep. rivalry, and you can pass on the Bucks. So uh, Derek Carr for a two-week option, maybe Russell Wilson for the one-week option.
0: I do want to clarify. Murph did accidentally say 50% fab uh, for Russell Wilson. That was 50% rostered. So I just, I normally will just blow right by those. I did want to point out and clarify, do not spend 50% of your fab on Russell Wilson. Let's move on to the tight end options here on the waiver wire for week three. Derek, I'll throw it to you.
2: Why not spend 50% of your fab on him? No, I'm kidding around. So we're talking about the tight end position and one that has been traditionally A soft matchup for teams would be the Seattle Seahawks against opposing tight ends. And in week number three, it's going to be the Carolina Panthers who offensively, they don't really have a lot of bona fide, solidified options on the outside. Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, if he's even injured or available, the Visca Chenault Jr. My point is it looks like Hayden Hurst is going to see plenty of work. And if Hayden Hurst continues to see the volume that he saw in week number one against the Atlanta Falcons, uh, yeah, I think it was five catches, 41 yards and a touchdown. That's, you know, top 12 tight end production. So certainly he's still available in over, I think 70% of Yahoo leagues. So I think he's worth an ad and a streaming option for you at tight end in week three. All right, Murph, how about a tight end off the waiver
0: wire for you?
1: Yeah, if if we're going for a short-term option it's got to be Zach Ertz. Purely just on the volume here. You know, so, <laughs> there's not many tight ends in the league that are going to have a 30.5% target share and that is what uh, Zach Ertz has got. And the Arizona offense isn't as terrible as initially described. Yes, okay, they've not played uh, you know played the Giants and we know that that defense isn't anywhere near as good as it was say a year ago. Um, but you're looking at Zach Ertz and that volume. He's already caught twelve uh, twelve balls this week, uh, this season. And then you're looking at the volume, he's clearly you know, one of the early reads for Josh Down um for Josh Dobbs, Josh Downs, Josh Dobbs, and um 10% owned. So there's not a lot of people clamoring to own Zach Ertz. If you want a longer term play, not the best matchup this week, but Logan Thomas, he's clearly becoming a, a favorite target of Sam Howe. Tough matchup uh this week uh coming up for logan thomas against the bills but going forward at three percent owned he's another one that you could probably sneak if you're fine at tight end this week um, but you're looking at a longer term view then i'd probably look at logan thomas
0: yeah logan thomas definitely i mean saw an increase uh in in work here this past week we will need to monitor that concussion and see if he's back and available for week Mm -hmm. three but if he is again that's another name like Zach Ertz, logan thomas these guys have been around the league for so long and fantasy managers have added them off of the waiver wires countless times before, you're going to be able to pick them up for 2% fab, 3% fab, like minimal, minimal fab bits there. I did feel super gross. Ranking Zach Hertz is my number one tight end pickup on the week, um, but 18 targets, it's hard to ignore. Uh, Let's move on to DST options. If you're in need of a streaming option here
2: for week three, Derek, where are we looking? So it's kind of hard to feel confident telling you to go get this defense because I think that they can be diced up through the air, but I got to see it from this Cleveland Browns offense before I really start to get super concerned about Deshaun Watson dropping 300 passing yards on the Tennessee Titans defense. But what the Tennessee Titans do so effectively is they take away your run game. Like, they force you to do something else and beat you, beat them in a different way. They did it to Joshua Kelly in Week 2. In Week 1, they did it to Jamal Williams. I get Nick Chubb is a far better player than either of those two guys I just mentioned. But what we saw last year from this Titans defense, they put the clamps on opposing rushing attacks. Yep. They were number one against opposing rushing attacks as far as yardage allowed uh, for the entirety of the 2022 NFL season. And they seem to be you know, giving us an encore performance in 2023. So I think that that's a really sneaky option. The Titans defense against the Cleveland Browns and see if they can force them out of their comfort zone in week number three.
0: Murph, what about for you? Who is a DST option looking on the waiver wire?
1: I mean, the DST option for me, uh, it's going to go slightly against some of Derek's analysis here, but I'm targeting the Jacks. Um, I think the Jags are probably – you can make the case as one of the most improved defences in the NFL this season. Um, Look at what they did to the Chiefs. They really stifled their play uh, yesterday. And then you're just looking at what um, Houston are offering. Yes, okay, Houston haven't turned the ball over yet. That's going to happen. And, again, we're going to get that game script. If Houston are chasing the game, it's a divisional game, I think you're going to see Stroud open it up a little bit more. I think you're going to see – and I think it's okay for Stroud to make those mistakes. I don't think he's going to get – the pressure that an Anthony Richardson's going to have, like a Bryce Young is going to have. I think literally they're going to just say the strategist, just, let's, just, let's just cook. Let's just see what happens. And I think they're going to take some more risks this week, and I think he will turn the ball over. And I'm chasing turnovers. And I think the Jags, D more than capable of picking that up, but also, again, really strangleholding. They're going to contain that run game, and they're going to force Stroud. I mean, we've seen him throwing it 45 times. He's got no problems throwing the ball. Um, we're going to see that, but I think you might see a pick If it goes to the house, then you're really running away with it. That's kind of
0: what I'm chasing when I look at DSD streamers, who's likely to get the balls, who's likely to get those turnovers. Uh, the other one that I will mention here is the Kansas city chiefs defense going up against the Chicago bears. Uh, nothing that I've seen from the Chicago bears worries me about playing a defense in fantasy that is facing them here. Let's move on to top 10 overall waiver wire ranking pickups on the week. We have talked about the individual, uh, positions here. Let's put it all into context. Murph, I'm going to start with you in a list format. My friend Walk down from number 10 all the way to number one.
1: Taji Spears at 10, Jerome Ford at 9, Marvin Mims at 8, Justice Hill at 7, Robert Woods at 6, Zach Moss at 5, Jane Reed at 4, Rochon Johnson at 3, Josh Reynolds at 2, and Tutu Atwell is my number one overall this week. All right,
0: Derek, how about for you, top 10 overall pickups?
2: Yeah, honorable mention Matt Breida, obviously with the Saquon Barkley injury potentially against the San Francisco 49ers. I really don't like the matchup. I don't think he's going to have that great of a week, but if you need a pinch, he's in there too. But Craig Reynolds at 10, Tajay Spears at 9, I've got Tutu Atwell at 8, Robert Woods at 7, Jaden Reed at 6, Roshan Johnson at 5, Justice Hill at 4, Kadarius Toney slash Sky Moore at 2 and 3 respectively, and then number one, Zach Moss. I just I'm really, really, really worried about Jonathan Taylor ever putting on a Colts uniform again.
0: It's a fair worry there. All right. That will do it here for week three waiver wire pickups podcast. Murph, I want to thank you, my friend, for jumping onto the podcast, taking some time out of your day to drop some knowledge here for waiver wire pickups for week three. What do you got going on this year that people need to know about and where can they find and follow you on social media?
1: I appreciate you uh, having me on. It's always good to probably you, Yates, and uh, great to probably you, Derek. First time, hopefully uh, not the last. Um, when it comes to uh, work, I'm doing a lot for PFN this year. Uh, injury updates on uh, Sunday morning. So, the great thing about being in the UK at time difference, I get that information earlier than anybody else uh, and at a time where i don't have to wake up for it so um i'm dropping those uh, first thing in the morning on sunday so you mm-hmm. can check that out pick it up other articles through the weeks some starts this etc uh, i do have a, a weekly uh, wide receiver cornerback uh, column over at fantasy pros you can check that out all of that's available on my socials uh, at murph nfl and i do host a podcast as well called five yard rush uh one of the largest in the uk getting on about 750 episodes. Yates has been on Derek. We'll have to get you on at some point. Um, but yes. Uh, so we'll be doing that. It's a uh, pod dropping every day. So you can subscribe to that on all good podcast. Uh platforms
0: one of the things that i love about doing a podcast with murph is seeing the five yard rush nation turn up in the youtube comments there and drop in their support so i'll absolutely love to see that if you are listening to the podcast here you've been watching make sure to drop a comment on youtube hit that like button subscribe to the channel and click that bell to get notified for when our new content drops want to thank you all for the immense support here over on youtube additionally pfnfantasy.com murph mentioned the injury updates we have you covered Everything that you need to dominate your league this season can be found over at pfnfantasy.com. All right, that'll do it. For Adam Murphy and Derek Tate, I'm Kyle Yates, and we'll see you next time.